Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Acton Mill, your weekly Mill Digest, your bi-weekly Mill Digest, if you like. Um, now, I'm not, I'm not going to start off with the usual introductions. I'm going to start off by saying I've been watching a lot of Bruce Forsyth lately. I've been watching a lot of, um, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, um, not play your cards right. What was it the Price is Right? Bruce's Price is Right. Absolutely. Now, mm-hmm. Funny enough, I was just watching one, and there was a guy, and he said he was from South London. Do you know what he won? Well, the Nick. prizes used to, used to be a bit naff on there, didn't they? Um, you want a light fucking aircraft? A light aircraft? Oh, yeah! <laughs> Could he fly? Was he a pilot? No! Where are you going to put that? Down. He lived in South London with his missus, but he was actually originally from Scotland, yeah? I don't know if that makes any difference. He won a trip to India, yeah? Travelling all around. <sighs> what else did he win? Like garden furniture, a jacuzzi, and then a fucking light aircraft. A light aircraft. Well, I mean, light aircraft would be fantastic for away travel in, in England. Anyway, I don't know about travelling to India, in it, but certainly a Where's trip up to Sheffield would have been a lot, lot easier. I don't know where, where you park it. I don't know. Light you don't, air, you, your light aircraft. You need your own airstrip yeah. somewhere, wouldn't yeah, you? Ne- next to the day where you're on the drive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Land it in the car Super park at the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, joining us this week, the daddy He's just come back off a romantic seven-night luxury five-star getaway to Sheffield. It is Nick Hart. <laughs> Greetings, dear listeners. Greetings. Uh, welcome to the show. The show that never ends. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, making another one of his famed comeback appearances, it is Yuri Scalat, possibly one of my worst signings ever. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's nice. Good evening, listeners. Good evening. Uh, let's look back at the game at the weekend of the trip to Hillsborough. Long schlep north for another team that's sort of in and around that playoff uh, amalgamation, let's call it. I mean, you look at Millwall's fixtures, they're four, two behind and two ahead. I mean, Leeds, Sheffield, Wednesday, and now uh, two big games uh, to against West Brom and Fulham. Um, a point of Sheffield Wednesday, two drops, yeah. one game, Nick, you tell me. Yeah, uh, but it was two drops because there was there was only one real clear cut chance in the whole match, which fell to John Daddy Bovalson right in the very death of the game, um, and unfortunately fluffed that. So that should have been put away. That should have been a win. Maybe you could argue whether it was a des- would have been a deserved win or deserved whatever you like, but. Um, it was a grim game. It was. I, I love this quote by Alex Pierce. That it's, uh, it's one of those games you get in a championship at the start of February. Cold day in Sheffield. Um, neither side did anything at all. There's remarkably little content in the game apart from that final moment. And I, I posted afterwards that um, you know John Daddy was missed it. And that by these um, moments, you judge big time players. I felt a bit harsh afterwards, but I still think I was correct because. That was a big moment. That was a moment to get three valuable points that might propelled us closer to the, you know, to the playoffs. And he blew it. He put in Rosette. And you can't do that if you want to be successful in football. Um, the game itself, oh, grim. Um, nothing, a load of nothing, really, on a cold day in Sheffield. Uh, it's actually a struggle um, to, to think of anything much more to say than that. But that chance should have been taken at the end. 
people would have seen it on YouTube, and I think they'll make their own own judgments on it. It's so pity. I mean, pity. Alex Pierce. Sorry, Nick. Alex oh. Pierce said it's one of them games you're going to get in February in the Championship. It's just one of them typical Championship games. Maybe. I mean, the the squad was a bit depleted. Um, we. We we um, Gary Rout dropped Jason Malumbi to the bench. I'm not the, whether the wisdom of that is right or wrong. Maybe he's trying to save him for the forthcoming big games that you mentioned, the other Fulham and the and the uh, and the West Brom game. Yeah. Um, Ryan Woods was okay. Um, one or two nice passes. It's hard to see at the moment what we've all been raving about with Ryan Woods, but it is only two games in for him. Um, and obviously Sean Williams with that experience in the middle. So. It was an okay performance. We didn't concede. Um, we didn't create much. So, you know, we're, we're not going to get uh, into the playoffs by not creating much. I think maybe there's, if you're going to criticise Gary Rowe, it's that lack of lack of ability to create or the risk, the, the risk element, perhaps. I don't know. Um, yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, it's, it's, it shows you how far we've come that we, you know, we're disappointed with a kind of draw at Sheffield Wednesday as well, though, you know, which is, uh, we've never really had much success there. And, you know, uh, ultimately, it's a, not not a bad point on the grand scheme of things. Um, interesting to see Rowett playing 4-4-2, though, as well, away from home, which maybe, I don't know if it was the right or wrong decision with this game. Um, we've obviously played, you know, the 5-3-2 um, or variations of that away from home, which has worked very well, and we've had some good results um, playing that formation, um, but uh, we didn't do it this time. Um, yeah, and, and your point about Bodvars, and just as he was starting to redeem himself, in my opinion, after that goal against Reading, yeah. does that, and it's just so frustrating. Um if he had it maybe lacking confidence, because really he could have taken it around the keeper, in, in my opinion, you know, when you're like that, because uh, Goldie had come quite a long way out of his goal to, to sort of narrow the angles down, but he's clearly uh, yeah, not got the confidence to do that. And um, yeah, fluffed it as being kind, isn't it? Fluffed it. I mean, it's yeah, like, like I said in my, my post, these are big time moments, Mike. You know, the big players mm. rise to the occasion. They get the goal. They get the three points. That your your team moves forward as it is. We've we've dropped back. We're at five points now off of the playoff position. I mean, you could argue that we were in a slightly um, of about a false position, but certainly we've overachieved to get ourselves into this this situation. But having got ourselves here, you look to see who's going to step up to the plate and take their take their moment. And John Daddy, um, he, he he blew it. There we are. That, that was that was that was the game in a nutshell. I, I thought it was like they're, they're a funny side, Nick. They're a really weird side. I mean, they're just so top heavy with strikers, but they seem so inconsistent under Rowett. It seems like another weird one from Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, they got beat by Wigan the other week. They got dicked on their own patch. I was there for the Blackburn game. They got beat 5-0. That was absolutely nuts. So I'm sure if you ask um, uh, Gary Monk, if if he'd take a point, he would have taken a point. Naturally, Mill were going to be disappointed because you're in the middle of some difficult fixtures right now. West Brom's going to be tough. Uh, Fulham's going to be tough. Preston North End's going to be tough. And then you look out and you've got Wigan, Birmingham, Bristol City, Forest. It's 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 never-ending tough fixtures, and, and and maybe three points would have been good up at uh, up at Hillsborough. I think Mike's point is good. You know, it's a measure of how far we've come, where we're actually disappointed to be leaving Hillsborough with with one point rather than three, um, and we're disappointed that we. You know, I'm just looking at the table as I'm speaking, and there's we're 45 points in ninth now. Bristol City in six, so on, on 50. So that looks like a big five points suddenly, and. Um, you know, the, the fact that we're, we're allowing ourselves to feel disappointed, but that is a measure of what Gary Rowett's achieved. I think I read um, an interview of Alex Pierce where Rowett's team talk mentioned the fact we've had a 17-game run with only three defeats. Well, that's that's mm. pretty pretty damn good, you know. Um, unfortunately, football is a, is, is a harsh business and, you know, it's a win-or-lose business. And unfortunately, that was that was not good enough on Saturday. We have to move on from it. Um West Brom's going to be a very tough game on Sunday. And, you know, we need to be firing all cylinders for that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I reckon, yeah. I think if we don't, yeah, we need to sort of win the, almost the next two. I mean, that's not going to be easy, but two home games. Yeah, historically, we do play well against the better sides, kind of at the Den as well. Hopefully, the Den will be sort of rocking as well. Um, West Brom, 
themselves um, have had a bit of a dip in form, haven't they? Um, so maybe they're not, we're going to particularly enjoy coming to the den, hopefully. But um, yeah, I'd, I don't know. I, we need to start beating teams around us to, to really get into that top six because there's so many teams that could potentially get in. Um, and if you put a few wins together, we could see ourselves sort of right back up there. But, um, but yeah, as you say, it's a tough run of games coming up. So it's going to be tough. I find myself um, constantly saying this is a season turning point. Leeds mm. away, were, you know, that was a bit of a knockback, I thought. Leeds, um, the 3-2 loss up there. Season turning game. A win at Sheffield Wednesday would have been a season turning yeah. game. And now we've got another one. And I think this is a season turning mm. game. If we can get some momentum out of that West Brom home fixture on Sunday, then suddenly, you know, the the, the, the road lies before us again. If we mm. get beat on Sunday, it will feel like a very hard, rocky road to come back from. So, um, massive game Sunday. I think that, you know, we do need the den to be on, on point and we need the team to be um, playing their, their A game because I think if we, if we don't get a win on, on Sunday, then Fulham looks really, really tough. I wouldn't say the season's over, Mike, but mm. it starts to feel harsh, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, exactly. And the players, you know, just need to kind of, probably remember that maybe they're slightly overachieving not to get too down um I don't think we will do that but I think because we've just had this sort of top six in our in our minds sort of for the last sort of couple of months or something that's kind of the new aim for the season whereas you know when we started the season who, who would have dreamed we would be in in this position so um it yeah again it is kind of strange to feel disappointed that if we do go a bit adrift from sixth but ultimately you know I was happy with a lower mid-table finish um, this season oh, so yeah. um, you know if I look at it like that then I think well you know actually we're still doing all right we're a bit bitting our arm uh, your arm off for a mm. ninth finish wouldn't we you know when, when um, things were looking tough under Neil not so long ago yeah. so perspective Achtung Mehlball um, let's look at deadline day, chaps. No real Ooh. tempting offers for players um, before transfer deadline day. I mean, there was talk of Billy Mitchell moving on, but um, he sticks around. Are you disappointed? Did you want to see more action, Nick? Uh, we, I mean, the main the main storyline, obviously, is the loan signing of, of Mason Bennett and all that comes with, with uh, him. Um, I, I, I mean, there was Jed didn't leave. That's good news, isn't it? Um, yeah. The I, I, I really am hoping for Mason Bennett's sake and for the club's sake that that loan signing works and works big in quite quick order. Because I, unfortunately, with his baggage that he brings, I think that um, he can't afford too much of a you know of, of, of a lead in. So he does need to hit the ground running. Um, so it, it was a strange one. I, I mean, I, I, I never expect Mill to be a big spending club. We're never going to go and set the world on fire in, in, in the transfer window. Um, most of our action was signing up players that we had already, which was Bart Belkowski. Uh, was it Sean Williams? And who was the other? The other um, uh, Hutch, Hutchinson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we've, we've got those three now, now um, tied to the club. And then we've got stories of, uh, Ryan Leonard may be on, 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 the, on the fringes of recovery, which will be a big asset, and the return of Sean Williams after suspension. And our, our, our transfer action was, 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 was minimum, you know, minuscule, really, apart from Mason Bennett. How, how do you feel about Mason, Mike? Are you, yeah, um, I mean, hopeful? Ryan, obviously. Yeah, Ryan kind of discussed this in detail, didn't he, in last week's show? But um, I am, and you, you do forget that he's only 23 because he started at Derby, well, kind of, I think made his debut when he was about 16 years old or something. But yeah, I am hopeful. He played you know, quite a bit under Lampard, but obviously after this um, this kind of drink driving incident, um, he's obviously been shafted out. But but a word on sort of Bennett and Woods as well, who we've brought in, you know, Woods, these are the yeah. sorts of, yeah, yeah. Th this is the profile of signings that, uh, are successful at Millwall where you know they're the right side of 25 um both I think out of contract in their clubs at the end of the season I think um they're you know players which perhaps need another chance and another go um who have got big potential and, and both of them in my opinion tick those boxes um so it's up to them now to really kind of dig in and work hard and you know there's a potential to maybe sign both in the summer so 
So I, I think that's really good business. I mean, I might. It, it takes time to see how they're going to play. Woods has been okay. Um, wasn't very good against Leeds, but then we weren't. None of nobody really was no. uh, yeah. in the end. But yeah, it's. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I was pleased. Um, and, and most importantly, yeah, we didn't kind of lose any key players, such as Jed Wallace, obviously. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think I think it was a very good January window for us. It's interesting. The um, I mean, the, the non-loan of Billy Mitchell, which was mm. something I think a good few of us were expecting Mitchell to go out. Um, Har- was it um, Harvey Bradbury um, has gone out? Has gone to Morecambe, but apart from that, no one else. So we mm. seem to be quite um, choosy as to where we send our young players and for what purposes. So that's a good sign. It implies the management at Millwall want, want the players to improve. And the fact that Billy hasn't gone anywhere because there was no offer tempting enough, as, as it, I think it was put in the news at then, um, is a good sign in a sense, because it, it means that um, we're not gonna, just going to send them anywhere for, for, for no great gain to Millwall football clubs. Yeah. And, and your point on Ryan Leonard, um, sorry to use this cliche, but it is kind of feels like a, a, a new signing almost. And he was, just starting to really play very well before when he got injured um and he was the signing that we we kind of always thought that he might be because he was pretty average last season um but he really started playing well and set you know settling into that central midfield um so yeah it'll be interesting to see how he comes back um i mean yeah he's yeah. not guaranteed a, a start obviously with um Malumbian bringing in Woods as well, but um, excited to see him kind of back and involved anyway. I was reading an interview with Gary Rowett. I don't know if it was on News at Den or one of the other uh, London online or some one of the other sites, and he was praising the energy that, that Ryan Leonard brings and will bring when he's returning. Um, so clearly Gary Rowett sees him as a, as a player of some influence and someone's going to have an impact. We're presuming he's going to be back to full fitness. And, you know, I, I, we mentioned this the other, on another show recently. I, that's, that's possibly still an open question. No one really knows how fit he's going to come back and how strong he's going to come back. But um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can get back to where he was and what, what kind of impact mm. a Gary Rowett Millwall can make on Ryan yeah. Leonard because that's going to be an intriguing storyline for the for the rest of the season so yeah i mean i i, I i'm quite hopeful uh, i i i must have followed me all now for 40 odd years and i don't know why i've always allowed myself the sin of optimism i always i always <laughs> think that i always think that good times are lurking just around the call even though the the, the story of my mill supporting life has been that it really is so but i, mm. I think once this squad is back together and as long as we've got enough games left in the season there's still some. There's still a story to be played out in this this term. I think there's still something in it. So I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Definitely, and you know, to be kind of ninth and within touching distance of the players uh, through a transitional season, really now with Harris leaving, a new manager coming in, um, some new players, a different style of playing. You know, this is a transitional season. So if we, you know, if we can enjoy it and kind of nearly get in the playoffs, I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, you know, it really thinking ahead to next season when Rowett gets a full summer to really kind of refresh the squad again, bring in players, um, get rid of some players. Um, I, yeah, I mean, you can hear that I'm optimistic as well, Nick, but uh, no <laughs> doubt I'll probably be put back in my place at some point. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the stage could be set for the Lions um, in, in the near future. Well, especially with the, I mean, the, the youth team progress, I, I made a note to myself to mention the, uh, was it the under 19 team that won last year? Yeah, yeah, under 18, one at Bournemouth, 3-2. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen some of the clips on, on the social media. I didn't watch it, but we've got some real talent lurking in these in these, in these these youth development sides. And, you know, the under-23 side have, have been doing well. I think they're near the top of their uh, developmental table, whatever league it's called. And there is cause to be hopeful. Um, always the <laughs> the worst possible moment in a Mill supporter's life, cause to be hopeful. But I do see a lot of talent coming through. And with a manager that you know, like Rowett in charge, yeah, I think there's I think there's good times lying ahead. Achtung, Milbal. So, so, something, something, something legal. I mean, Nick, I'm gonna let you crack on with that part. The legal, <laughs> the legal world. Um, a very odd story, and I, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit torn 
on on this because there was a a post in the aftermath of the Brexit um, party. Do you want to call it a party or celebrations or whatever it was in in Whitehall and Westminster? And and the Sun made a snarky. Oh, yeah, he made a snarky little comment. Tom Tom Newton Reed, I think his name is, about how it had a, the smack of um, of a Millwall game uh, because there were various, um, uh, as he put it, EDL elements and people pissed and you know all a bit um, not very not very nice was the undertone of his of his posting. What, the what, to... Were there were there were there jelly deals and and glasses uh, uh, of beer? I I I I wasn't there, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Jelly deals and glasses. But, That's all I can think of, really. It was odd, odd because the Sun newspaper is hardly, um, you know, um, a, a journal of record, is it? I mean, it, it's pushed its own luck over time. So for him to get snooty about the the clientele of the post Brexit party, whatever your views on on that may or may not be, just seemed really odd. And and anyway, the the club took quite um quite a hard line there was an odd post next day that we were seeking legal advice on the the kind of disparaging tone of, of the um on the words of, of the tweet which forced an apology from the sun mm. or from him and i i found it quite an odd sequence because you know I, I, when i read the original posting i thought oh well fuck you basically you know say that about millwall when fine but you move on but i didn't see it as such a game-changing moment um, to generate the amount of uh of, of um action that it did i mean bill took legal advice and forced an apology from him before i guess some form of legal action i, I don't know how much legs it might have had in court if it, if it had gone anywhere near a courthouse um and i don't know what damage to the club's reputation it, i mean it's one of many make these remarks all the time um you know who they should phone nick don't you what for the, that to Bruce Forsyth? No, <laughs> judge, judge, judge Rinder, Judge Rinder. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did, did you see it, Mike? Did you, I mean, I, I, yeah. Well, I, it sounds as though we're trying to make an example of this bloke who written it. I'm um, just to say, yeah, don't fucking come after us, basically. Um, and we're the club was just striving to just try and get rid of this this kind of reputation that, that, that maybe some people think we're like. Um, and, and that was the same case with the recent kind of uh, racist allegations against... Uh, yeah, the homophobic, us. yeah. Homophobic, sorry, yes. Um, so a similar sort of kind of thing. And then, you know, we put out, we'd done an investigation, there was nothing there, which, you know, got a couple of apologies, I think, maybe, uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we're just, it's good. We're defending, we're defending ourselves. And, and, you know, I think it was good because it was so public because if someone of, of some profile, like a journalist, thinks to make comments about the club, you know, know that we'll come after you and then maybe they'll think twice next time. It's always good to see the sun snivelling an apology out because you don't get that very often. So <laughs> that was good. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm intrigued if this is going to be a policy going forwards. I mean, I, I kind of like it and I kind of don't. I'm, 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 I'm mixed about it. I, you know, we, we have a reputation, rightly or wrongly. Um, and, you know, to change that is going to going to require, a, I don't know, 100 years of cultural change in the country to get rid of the Millwall name and the tag from the past. But um, uh, there we are. Well done, the club, yeah. I suppose. We got an apology. It was it, a win. It, it makes the South London Cuddle Club sound like a good idea. <laughs> and the other thing I mentioned here was that um, Leeds were charged with uh, it was an in, an incident featuring the Leeds uh, communication staff. There was there was missile throwing during the game. We, we saw that, and I think Jed um, gave the referee a, a, yeah. a, a coin or something. But this is an intriguing incident. There was a, a, a Gary Rowett alluded. He didn't didn't go into detail. Um, there was a bit of a bit of pressure put on the referee at half time. But, the uh, Leeds uh, Director of Communication and one other has, has, has been charged by the FA. So, um, interesting story. I mean, it, it, you wonder what pressure, what's been said to the referee and, you know, what what, what, what takes place behind closed doors. Been enough for an FA charge on this occasion. But mm-hmm. again, that, that doesn't seem to generate quite the same publicity if, if, as if Millwall were involved. It's... Um, that's that's the way it goes, I suppose. So just two odd legal legalistic stories from the week, and um, you know, yeah, such old. is such is life for the lions. Yeah, a, a quiet week on that front. Then um, Jeb Wallace has been nominated for the PFA Bristol Street Motors Skybet Championship Player of the Fucking Hell. Do they have enough titles? Right? <laughs> Player of the Month award 
for January 2020. The winger uh, scored once at Leeds and assisted three times as the Lions kept their place in the top 10. Wallace is now up against five other championship stars in the running for the accolade. Uh, I think everyone's just pleased that he's still in the championship playing for Millwall after mm. the Roots rife in January. Whether that sort of... Uh, you know, continues from the summer because I think I personally think that you know Villa might look back at him uh, at some point. Um, but you know, I think everyone's pleased he's there. He's up against Dan Bentley of Bristol City, who's been shit. Jack Butland of Stoke City, who's been shit. Uh, Ben Rama, uh, he's not bad, you know, he's not bad. <laughs> Samuel QPR mm. and Naki Wells QPR slash Bristol City, he's all right. He's got a good chance there, Jed. He's got a good chance. Daniel mm. Bentley's just poor, but um. Yeah, congratulations, Jed. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't think, I mean, he's he's had one of his worser months, I would say, uh, actually, yeah. you know, like yeah, his performances. And he's, uh, yeah, he's still, kind of, it shows you kind of what high standards we have for it, from him kind of previously in the, in the season. But, you know, to still be nominated, um, you know, by this prestigious uh, kind of sponsorship <laughs> um, <laughs> is, I'm sure, a, a fantastic achievement for Jeb. But yeah, you're, I, you're right. Alongside those names, um, he should he should walk uh, walk walk it really. I mean, I just thought. I mean, Jed, as we've said repeatedly, has been playing out of his out of his skin this season. I think he's been by far our standout creative player and as a contender for the Millwall Player of the Season. Maybe Bart, maybe maybe Jed yet to see how it pans out but um, I just thought Sheffield Wednesday I think he's been guilty of this a little bit because he does carry the burden of being our creative outlet and our man with pace and, and you know imagination and the, the willingness to try the risky move um, sometimes he just tries too hard and I thought at Sheffield that was it was one of those games for Jed where he was trying to do everything for everybody and you, you just can't do that but um, as, as Mike said I thought you know, last few games, he's just been a little bit over, I don't know, just over, overplayed it at times. So um, we'll, we'll see. But a great season for Jed, great player. And I mm. think the, the summertime will be more when we see moves for Jed Wallace, um, depending on how successful the Millwall are this season. But if, he's, if we're still in the championship come the summertime and a chance for a Premier League move comes along, I, I think we might well see Jed moving at that point rather than the January. It'll be the summertime. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com or one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232. Leave us a voicemail. No human will be involved in the receipt of your message. So give us a shout. Tell us what you think about all things Millwall. And the best messages will be read out on air. Um, just uh, sort of moving on from that. Uh, we've got a random topic of the week, Nick. Yeah, this has become a little bit of a thing, and I, I quite like it. Uh, people have been suggesting random topics for for discussion. Um, this week's random topic was suggested to us by Kevin Kev Bakes fourteen on Twitter, um, and he yep. said um, an idea for this week's topic discussion: What's the best Millwall performance you've ever seen in person? So um, I've asked for Harry, for Michael and for Ryan to give me theirs. So I thought if we just cut away for a moment now, we'll have a quick listen to the chaps. Achtung, so hello listeners, this is Michael Avery here and this is my best meal performance or I've seen in person or the first best meal performance I've seen in person there. Um, obviously growing up in the mid nineties, I was a bit too young to be at Highbury when we won 2-0, but remember seeing it on TV. And then also the follow-up game against Chelsea where we won on penalties. But again, these were games I couldn't physically be at because uh, I had school the next day. So I was a wee bit too young to be doing away day travels. When um, the when I was a bit older, the one I can remember, it wasn't an away day, but it was the famous 3-3 in 1999, I believe, against Wigan. So Millwall was absolutely dead and buried with 10 to 12 minutes to go. And in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, we unfortunately were a team who were notoriously conceded late. So everyone thought we were we were done for. But following goals from, I believe it was a 
Tim Cahill, um, Paul Shaw and um, a last minute penalty. I think it was Neil Harris who scored it in the last minute. Um, I may have got the order slightly wrong, but that game was just was unbelievable. The the roof came off the West Stand and it's uh, one of the first times I think I've ever seen a draw cheered as much as a win or if not more um, from the seasons before. A great performance, a great day. Always, always remember it even now. And uh, yeah, three all, one point, Wigan Athletic, Nationwide League Division 2. But it was like we just won the Champions League. So, best ever Mill performances that I've seen live Two spring to mind straight away. Um, first one is in 2004, Millwall 4, West Ham 1. I'm sure many a listener will pick that game as one of their best ever Millwall performances in our big derby. It may have been one of the first Millwall-West Ham derbies I went and saw. I was about maybe eight or nine years old during that game. Um a lot of action, obviously five goals, um, two excellent goals from Tim Cahill, a good header and a, well, a vintage header really and a great left-footed volley from a corner. Paul Eiffel was on absolute fire um, and just, you know, a Derby Day victory that was so emphatic could have been five, six, seven and, uh, you know, a really, really top quality Mill performance early on in my uh, Millwall fan life. My second is a more recent one from our 2017-18 crazy push for the playoffs. Game 15 of 17 unbeaten games at home to Bristol City, 2-0. Um, just a fantastic performance from Millwall. I don't think I've seen a game where we were so slick, our passing was excellent, the fluidity we were playing with, it was right at the peak of our confidence in that um, playoff push and... Jed Wallace got the first, him and Marshall linking up, Jed Wallace coming in from the left and uh, curling one into the top right corner. And then I think the second was Steve Morrison. It was a 1-2 with Gregory, a vintage kind of link up in their partnership. Gregory back heels him in. Morrison just sees a defender fly past him and tucks it home. And really another one where Millwall could have won 4, 5 or 6 nil. I remember George Savile absolutely running the show. It was Millwall were just playing with confidence and elegance that I just hadn't seen before, and especially under Neil Harris. It was a fantastic performance. So those are my two standout best Millwall live performances. Uh, hello, it's me, Harry Warren, at Block 45 Lion. Um, this is my memorable Millwall performances. Um, and I'm trying not to go with sort of a cliched one, so... I think probably the best I've ever seen us play would be away at Nottingham Forest um, on a Friday, our first game back in the championship with Neil Harris um, as manager after we went up the previous season from League One. My decision on that really would be that the side that started that game, anyone that was at Forest that night, was uh, given... A very, very Millwall-esque performance. A very Neil Harris Millwall performance. Um, 4-4-2, of course. Morrison and Gregory up front. Millwall in the first half were absolutely fantastic. I think Millwall ended up with countless, countless chances. Only to be stopped by the Forest keeper. And unfortunately, it led to a 1-0 defeat. Mainly due to Jordan Archer's beginning of the decline for Jordan Archer. Jordan Archer's magnificent ability from over... Five yards in front of him, a goal from outside the box um, from a free kick, if I remember, that sort of clattered in from the post. Slash, he should have got there. He was scared of getting hurt by the post, seemingly. Um, but, yeah, so that would be my memorable Millwall def- performance. Funny that I've picked a defeat, but we played brilliant that night. The football was fantastic. Um, uh, loads of chances, unfortunately, just didn't take them. And... How memorable would that be to to dominate a game and to be beaten 1-0? So that's a memorable performance. And anyone that doesn't understand that that basically is Millwall, in a nutshell, really doesn't go enough. But anyway, hopefully we beat West Brom. See you all soon. Come on, you Lions. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Goodbye. Yeah, thanks, chaps, if, uh, if Nick has actually put them in this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Jim. Uh, and I don't just sound like some random dickhead talking to myself. Yeah, nice one, guys. Nice one. Mikey Hayden, let's have yours, pal. Let's have your best one. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's a quite, it's took me a while to sort of work out because, well, I've, I've, I'm 28 years old, so I've been going to Millwall since the late 90s, I guess, um, through the 2000s. But you don't always remember a lot of great performances in the sort of 2000s periods as well just due to maybe age so you, you know like the Mother's Day Massacre I can't really remember that game and, and stuff so so I've gone for a game the last one that I could sort of remember really well which was in 13th of March 2010 Millwall 4 Charlton nil, yeah, um, yeah. which, it, which yeah. was um, an amazing game really because at, at the time Charlton were actually, we were fourth in the league Charlton were ahead of us in third it was you know kind of around sort of 10 or so games left of the season um, we really need to solidify in those playoffs places and still have maybe a chance of sneaking into the top two um, and to absolutely murder Charlton um, who were above us at the time was just sensational and and that kind of flurry of goals, if you remember, um, it was 1-0 at halftime. Darren Ward opened with a header from a corner. And then there are a flurry of goals between the 74th and 81st minute with an own goal by Christian Dalian and Steve Morris and Brace. It, it was just party time, you know, um, for a game which was going to be, a, a should have been a really tough fixture. And, and we just played them off the park. So, um, and against your rivals uh, in Charlton as well. So, for me, that was kind of the earliest one in detail, which um, performance-wise, um, I think, great game. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a go back further than, than most. Um, so I think it's quite hard to choose a best performance versus a best result, because sometimes the two don't necessarily go hand in hand. And um, the first time I remember being really, really impressed with a Millwall performance would be back in the in the 70s. Um, a, a standout game, which was when we beat Chelsea 3-0 at the old den, and that would be about 76. That was a Chelsea team that had uh, Ray Wilkins playing for it, and he was, um, I think he'd played for England by that stage, England International, and he was certainly a rising star of the game, and we, we absolutely demolished and took apart a Chelsea team that was expected to go straight back from Division 2 back to Division 1 the first time of asking. And this was a home game. It was a wonderful day. It was on the television. It was on the big match. And it's just one of those um, Millwall games that live in the memory forever. So there's that. 
Um, I'd also want to pick out a couple from, or two actually, quite quite contrasting in a, in a strange way, from the season in Division One when we were promoted. The first um, we beat Everton at home quite early on in that season and Everton at the time were one of the, the so-called big five clubs as it used to be called and that was the big five would be Manchester United, Liverpool, Everton, such strange as it might sound, Arsenal and Spurs at that time and we beat them 2-1 at home and it was in front of a full den house, it was a <clears throat> a frenetic game, the, the noise was incredible at the old den um, I've, I've often said that you know you get that same kind of ringing, ring, you used to get that ringing sensation in some games where that you get a gig when you, you've been in a loud environment for so long, you know, and you, you would leave and the, the ears were ringing with, with noise. Um, and we beat Everton 2 1 that day. It was the first time we'd actually beaten one of the major clubs in the top flight, which, as a Millwall fan since the 70s, was ever slightly unthinkable. I, you know, just never dreamt that such a moment could, could happen. And developing that season that point slightly um later on in that campaign 88 89 we played liverpool at home um and this was the liverpool just prior to the hillsborough disaster um and i think they went on to to lose the league championship to arsenal in the final game of that season but in march i think the end of march sometime around the end of march we played liverpool at the den and Again, this is a strange thing to say that we were actually contenders at that point for the league championship. We were third in the table, mm. and it's it, you know it's, it's utterly unthinkable when you say this stuff now, but it was true. We were we were in the game. We were contenders, and in the end, we you know that the form fell away, and we we never made it. And the, one of the reasons we fell away was <clears throat> we played a Liverpool side that was um, banned from Europe at the time. But in my opinion, was one of the great sides of all time. This is the Liverpool side of the of the kind of mid to late 80s were a machine um, with some of the best players you'll ever see from this country and or these islands at all. And they beat us 2-1. I think goals from John Barnes and John Aldrich. <clears throat> but we we went one goal up. We, we actually led to start with. The place was packed. Um, alle- allegedly, there was 23,000, I think, in the den, but it felt like a lot more. Um, I, it was the only time in my life where I've been involved in a crowd surge. I don't know if you've ever seen the old terracing yeah, when the crowd yeah. surge. Um, I got to the den late. The game had kicked off already. Uh, I got I stood at the very back row of the cold blow lane in because I couldn't get into into the rest of the den at all. It was packed, and we took the lead. Danny Salmon scored to put us one goal up inside the first. I can't tell you a thing about the goal. I've no, I couldn't see it. There was just I had no view of the game, but the this manic atmosphere took hold. We were one nil up and I, the, the crowd surged forwards and I was actually lifted off my feet <laughs> and um, quite, quite frightening in a way because you can't just get carried forward whether you, you, you get no control over it. And I went from a situation of not being able to see a thing of the game to actually finish up another spot further down where I could see the game very well because I, I, found, I found myself in a little kind of um, uh, comparatively empty spot further, further forward so I could see the rest of the game. Um, but it was the, the reason I picked that performance out was that we were up against arguably the best in Europe, arguably therefore the best in the world, and we were matching them. We we went toe to toe with Liverpool. It was a it was a fantastic game um, with some of the best players I've ever seen play, and there was a Millwall side that went toe to toe and was unlucky in the end to get beat two one, and that for me it's a very odd thing to say. And some will say, can you be proud of a loss? But that moment for me is sums that season up. We we went into the top flight, played with the very best, and held our own, um, beaten by the better team, but only just. Great moment. That's my, that's my best performance of all time. Do think about it. Nice. So, others have suggested other games. Shall we run through some, Aaron? Mm. I was hoping to give my own, but yeah, fair enough. Oh, go, go <laughs> you. you know what? I don't like. You always miss me out on this kind of stuff. Well, I, I, no, all right. Forgive me. Forgive me. I'll, I'll leave this in so people can, can 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 hear my apology. I apologise. What's yours, Aaron? Thank you very much. It was actually Millwall versus Leicester in the cut. Sean Cummings, yeah. right at the death. Um, okay. was covering it for a broadcaster, and basically just um, how do I? I lost my shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went completely against sort of the ethos of the organisation I work for, which is, you know, to be as unbiased as possible. And I just went nuts. I literally just, I, I, I mean, how can you not? How can you mm. not? Because you see all the coaching staff running onto the pitch as well. Like, they were all, the, oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Mill won less than nil. What a Wonder, game. Wonderful day. Wonderful day. Yeah, and and what... Was. Sean Cummings earned his place in history, Mill history, because he was, you yeah. know, it was, was a so-so player prior to that moment. But there was the, the run, the dribble, and the, and, and the finish. And now Sean Cummings has his moment in history. He's the he's the iconic figure. The people doing t-shirts with that that you know image image on them. It's mm. a great great moment. Um, yeah, it was a romance, wasn't it? It was you know everything about that game. Even if you were neutral, you know, just that romantic thing about everything that happened with ten men, you know, Premier League champions yeah. scoring in the last minute. It was just yeah, unbelievable. Fantastic day. Mill won less than nil. So shall we run through the others now, Aaron? Let's do it. Right. Well, Millwall thoughts from Twitter suggests. Um, Mill for West Ham one, which is the Mother's Day massacre from 2004. A great day, a great wonderful day. Should have been six or seven one because I think we missed two penalties. Tim Cahill yeah. uh, missed a penalty, and there are other chances that went begging. Christian Daly scored the own goal. Um, mm. Was named man of the match. <laughs> it was just <laughs> a great. It was a great day. It was, it was again. That's one of those iconic um, results and things. And in fact, Kev Bakes, who suggested the topic mentions the Mother Day Massacre and also um, the 4 new win over Rotherham back in the old second division when Steve Claridge put on a master class. Um, great day. I think they were managed by Ronnie Moore at the time, Rotherham. They were going quite well. And that was a great 4-0 win. Um, some of the others are fairly obvious. Do you remember, were you at the, the, um, the semi-final, Mike's 1-0 over yeah. Sunder? Uh, yeah, Rob, Car- was... Rob Carnaby yeah. mentions that. Yeah, yeah, what what a day that was. And we did play really well, you know, kind of underdogs as well going into that. Um, that was a fantastic, yeah, professional job as well, I, I thought. We deserved long, to win, didn't we? We just deserved it. We, we we did. It was a long, long second half because oh, I remember yeah. we were one ahead and we were under the cost for a large part of that second half. And it seemed endless, and uh, and of course, you know, as 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 we to get into a cup final, and also Europe by default, because Manchester United were our opponents, and they were already qualified for the Champions League, put us into the UEFA Cup, which again is quite a bizarre uh, moment in Millwall life. That, that, um, that was that game. That was our final, though, as well, really, wasn't it? You know, we knew we were going to beat Manchester United. I remember actually at the end of the game. The uh, guy, the announcer, just saying, and you'll play Manchester United in the final. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out better. So you have to say that now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, that was a great day. Yeah. Wonderful day. Um, Steve MFC has got one here, and this is an old one, and I, I, I doubt either of you will know this one, but this is Mill Four Sheffield Wednesday Two. This was at Coldblow Lane back in the eighties. Um, coming. No, uh, sorry. We weren't born then, Nick. No, sorry. Early 90s, actually. I think it was about 91, 92-ish, possibly. Um, two goals down at half-time. Mill made a comeback in the second half, won it 4-2. Wonderful cold blow lane day. There were no days like the cold blow lane days, dear listeners. Um, Henshaw mentions Jimmy Abdu scoring at Ellen Road in the playoff semi. That was a great... That was on the telly. I watched that on the telly. I couldn't get up for that one. That was a... Uh, a TV game that was a wonderful moment Mike wasn't it yeah it was and again talking about the romance of football Beckford missing that penalty was a great moment when <laughs> saved it um, and yeah again we were underdogs really there and you know somehow managed to score an abdominal people you know a, a legend who wasn't known for his goal scoring abilities uh, sort of poking it in um, and getting to Wembley I mean that was, yeah. uh, that was a great, great, great day. Oh, we had some good times. Wonderful <laughs> stuff. Mr. HK mentioned smashing Oldham 5-0 to win the second division title. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great day. I think Neil Harris scored his yeah. 30 goals that season, I believe. Yeah. And Paul Moody, his, his sidekick, scored 15. Those were the days, mm. dear listeners, for, for, for a strike force. Um Grumpy Grimace is always our favourite, Aaron. Grumpy Grimace, he always comes up with a good one. Grumpy, right, mate. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, um, he's asked me to define best, so that always always with the questions, Grumps. Make yourself uh, known on Sunday and we will. <laughs> Bristol Rovers away is Grumps' Grumpy's choice. Last game of the season, 16-17 season. 
um, four three with Hutch um, equalising, uh, oh, scoring five minutes to go to secure our playoff spot. That was a great day. Um, and he also mentions an older one, 2001-2002 season, beating Norwich 4-0, having been promoted the previous season on, on opening day. So um, great choices there. I've got one here for you, boys. Again, if you weren't born for the previous, you're definitely even less born for this one. Um, see if we can get the significance of this. Aaron and Mike, Mill 3, QPR 2 on the 1st of October 1988. Can anyone tell me the significance of that result? Um, October October 1988 <laughs> Mill 3 Queen's Park Rangers 2 Mill 3 it wouldn't have been cut or anything uh, I, I cut, um, I, the next day I got the news of the world and I cut out the, um, the you know the league table as a consequence Mill, Mill, oh, the, was that, we were top yeah we, we were top we, of the league yeah <laughs> I should have known that because I uh we were top Murphy. of the league. We were top yeah, of the yeah, yeah. football league. It had never been known. Yeah, before. of course. Merv um, Payne wrote about that in his book that I read. I, uh, I, I kept, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I kept that page of the News of the World uh, for eight. I, and I think um, it got, got lost in, the, in a previous house or somewhere, you know. Little um, free QBR 2. Um, Wall Art selected an odd one here. Mill 1, Charlton 2. And the Anglo Italian Cup of 1992. This one beat me. Um, but we were perfecting McCarthy's diamond system and we played Charlton off the park, only to throw it away at the end. But I think it means in terms of a good performance overall. Charlton yeah, so chased... Yeah, <laughs> 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 we, we, we only ever seen to play Charlton. We never never played Roma or Cagliari or uh, you know any any of the uh, decent sides in, in Italy. It was always against... Um, Cholton or you know some other local local club, but I think it did finish with a final um, game, which was a match up between the English team and the uh, and the Italian team. But um, it's a long gone competition now, isn't it? The Anglo-Italian Cup. Mm. Um, but anyway, there we are. Um, David Harry Webb has suggested Scunthorpe away in the 2017 second leg. Um, also, we went up to Bradford as well, didn't we? Scunthorpe, when we won yeah. up Bradford, uh, three, three, two, I think that was. Um, that was great days. And then this is Millwall suggests one from the from the past. Um, Stoke at home, we we had two sendings off, so we 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 played with nine youngsters at the time, which I think included Tim Cahill, <clears throat> and beat them two nil, um, which must have been a humiliation from their point of view. Nice. Uh, and then lastly, Tom S. selects Arsenal in 1995. We've beaten 2-0, a goal from Mark Kennedy and Mark Beard mm. uh, at the old Highbury. For this next bit, I think we should have a jingle at some point, just called, just, just sort of like a very Dale Winton-style voice going, Letters to Nick. Letters because, to Nick. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what we've got. We've got a letter slash an email, a bit of correspondence has come in from yeah. John Williams. Um, and uh, yeah, Nick, go for it, mate. You open it up. You read it. Well, I want to. I want to say thank you to, to John Williams and John Ferrara. I think was the other chap who emailed me. We've got an email address, dear listeners. We want to hear from you. Achtelmuel at gmail And big thank you to John for writing a, a nice email. He's got sent pictures of his family to us. And um, big thank you for that, John. And his, his young. Uh, grandson Arthur, who looks like he's getting ready to start doing the the, the Millwall monk chant already from the picture that he, that he sent me. But John has suggested going back a long way, and I've mentioned this one I think maybe previously. Um, big disappointments. This was uh, when did Mill break your heart? We had this subject the other day, didn't we? And this was when Birmingham pipped us to the post in promotion in the early 1970s when Millwall for many, many years was known as the only London club that had never played in the first division. And in 1971-72, we were on the brink of promotion and there was a rumour where we beat uh, Preston on our last game of the season. We beat them 2-0. But Birmingham had lost and therefore celebrations took place, pitch invasion. Um, Harry Cripps was chaired. I was there that day. Um, one of my first ever games as a Millwall fan. And I didn't really absorb how significant it was because I was only young. It was one of my first games. So I, I witnessed it, but it didn't absorb as to how important a moment this was. Um, and also the, the kind of follow-up, um, little did I know, this was Millwall's story yet 
unfolding before my eyes for the rest of my life that 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 success was snatched away because it turned out that in those days of transistor radios that actually Birmingham had won and hadn't lost so therefore they still had one game in hand which involved going to Leighton Orient on um, on a, the following Tuesday night at Brisbane Road uh, and they won one nil there which pipped me all to the um, to the um, promotion spot and we stayed down and then Back then, it was only two. The top two were promoted, and as John rightly says, the season after that, they changed it to the top three, which would have been all promoted if they'd have done it a season previously. Um, so yeah, heartbreaking moment. I, I, I was there. I witnessed it, and the only thing I can't really say is whether my heart was broken because I was I was too young to fully appreciate what I was seeing. But I do remember the the uh, events unfolding, and um, even now as I'm saying this, I can see the the pitch invasion in my mind's eyes as as, as it kind of um, as people ran on, chaired the players off the pitch. 1972, long time ago. So big thank you to John Williams. He also mentions. Um, a referee called Norman Burtonshaw. This is another historical moment. This, um, apologies to listeners if it's me doing my nostalgic bit here, but um, he mentioned Norman Burtonshaw, which was an incident in the 60s at the old Colblow Lane where a, a, a spectator ran on the pitch and actually chinned the uh, the referee. who was a guy called Norman Burtonshaw. Um, for he disagreed with his decision making, and um, you know the, the game the game hadn't gone Millwall's way. And there was a big FA inquiry, and I think we had to put up um, a small uh, fence around the side of Coldblow Lane as a consequence for the the incident. So, big thank you to John for mentioning Norman Burtonshaw, um, though his, his name is not not well well liked at the den. And thanks for emailing. And if anyone else has got any other nostalgic memories they want to share with us, um, do get in touch. We, it's really nice to hear from people. So, thank you for that, and thank you to everyone for responding to the Twitter feed and the thank random you. subject. Just going on Norman Burtonshaw, you mm. know that he's 94 years old. Is he still alive? Is he really? He's 94 <laughs> years old. Um, he actually was a night telephonist, telephonist, whatever that was. I mean, basically, he was he was uh, he used to have, breathe heavy, and then he become a news agent. Um, really? I mean, yeah. Referees used to have other jobs. Um, yeah. I think David that Ellery was my teacher, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, um, that's right, he was a teacher. And they all they used to have a little um, kind of bio of, of the referee on the back page. So you'd have your teams and then, you know, Mr. Mr. Bloggs from Great Yarmouth or wherever he was, and he's a, by trade a butcher or whatever he does, you know. But nowadays we live in the era of professional refereeing and I'm not sure we've, you know, we, we, <laughs> I'm not sure it's any better, but Mr. Ellery of, of those days probably did a better job than um, Mr. Mr. Professional Referee these days. But there we are. We used to have, we used to have jobs. Just to work for a living. I, I just remember we used to have, we used to have the referee's name, then in brackets the location and where they're from. And it was always Graham Pole Tring. That was Tring. It. Yeah, Tring. Yeah, that was an intriguing place. Tring. We had um, Phil Barber, who we signed from Crystal Palace. He was from Tring. Uh, which is, was it in Hertfordshire? Tring was it? Buckingham? Yeah, Bu- Buckinghamshire, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so big up, big up, big up to Tring and its con- contribution <laughs> to normal life. There was, we are. Wasn't there Paul Barber, the referee, as well? Could be. Don't, don't remember oh, him. Paul Barber Denzel from Only Paul. Anyway, uh, move <laughs> on. <laughs> he was, yeah. Chaps, um, this weekend, the visit of uh, West Brom and Jabin, they roll into town. Hasn't been the easiest of few weeks for the baggies under uh, Slavic, uh, mm. which is about to say Slavin Bilic. But um, yeah, they're, they're a dangerous side. Dangerous side, top of the table, three, uh, one point two of Leeds. Um, big big game and everything really is on the on the line for Millwall we need a win so um I'm going to predict a win actually I'm going to I'm, I, in, in my spirit of optimism I've tried to maintain through the whole show despite that dreary show up there at Sheffield I'm going to predict a Millwall win by one goal to nil Millwall one West Bromwich Albion nil you, yeah, I, I fancy us as well. As I said earlier on the show, um, you know, we do tend to play a bit better against the better sides. Um, we've got an all right record against West Brom kind of in recent couple of seasons as well. I drew up there, obviously, uh, a lot earlier in the season one all. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I fancy us. So I will say 2-1 uh, to the Lions. Now, I think they'll score one. But yeah. they will score two. I think okay. they'll get 
I, I really think it'll be two one. A lot of optimism yeah. around the table tonight. A lot of yeah, optimism, they're, yeah, they're on they're on a strange sort of bout of form, West Brom. They're they're a strange team. I mean, they play some excellent football, really good football at times. But you know, the den Sunday afternoon. Is it on telly, Nick? It's a it's a live show, that yeah, it's it is. on Sky, yeah. It will be beamed back across across the universe. Across the globe. It's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be big. Hopefully they get a good number in there as well. Um, mm. it'll be good for a packed out then. Um, it's not exactly, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's actually quite a tasty fixture, you know, yeah. rather than having, you know, rather than it being sort of Burton Albion or something like that, it, no disrespect to Burton Albion, of course, but this is a good fixture and, mm. uh, hopefully it will be good. Uh, we're reconvening. We will be, re- where are we reconvening pre-game, Nick? Um, well, probably the cafe, probably the Lions cafe, yeah. Mill cafe. Yeah, Mill cafe. Catch up for a, for a pre-match cup mm. of, um, you know. Cup, 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 cup of week tea or something, and then a post yeah. post match, even weaker tea or something like that. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll catch up before you know. Uh, Nick Hart will be doing autographs and photos. Just be nice, guys. It'll be something. <laughs> like autographs and photos, but yeah. Um, and and no one fight Harry or like you know just everyone be nice to Harry. <laughs> be nice to Harry. Be nice. To Harry. Uh, but yeah, uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you Sunday, chaps. And looking forward to another uh, a big game down at the Den. It's going to be good. Uh, Mill will take in West Bromwich. I mean, Nick will be there with his commentary from the uh, the shit house, literally. The bird shit house. I'm hoping that's been cleaned, but we'll see. I'll report back. The, block, the, club, the club must have seen your tweets. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> clean it up. It's, it's bird yeah. shit. But anyway. I know. Yeah. yeah, the block one shit house. Mikey, Mikey you're going to be there, aren't you? Uh, I'm actually uh, going to Tenerife on Saturday for a week, uh, so I'm going to be on very the sunbed nice. watching very nice. it. Yeah, classy <laughs> I am. Uh, so I'll be on the sunbed watching it on uh, on my iPad, I think. So um, yeah, looking, looking forward to that. But shame I can't be there. But uh, yeah, I'll be there soon. It's quite poor, really. But yeah. Mm, well, you enjoy you enjoy your holidays, mate. Um, thank you. Pretty much it until then, until Sunday. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.